Welcome to the Talking Tenancies podcast, brought to you by the Residential Tenancies Authority. I'm your host, Belinda Hyde. Join me as we explore everything you need to know about renting in Queensland with experts from the RTA and industry. We're here to help make renting work for everyone. There's a lot to remember when it comes to renting a property and it can be quite overwhelming if you've never done it before and trying to find your way on your own. Renting rules and legislation can vary quite a lot state to state, so first-time renting in a different state also has its own challenges. We can help you understand your rights and responsibilities in all stages of the tenancy and point out the resources available to help you make a home and settle in as quickly as possible. Today's expert on talking tenancies is Sam Gaylor, Manager of Customer Experience. Welcome, Sam. Thank you. Can you tell us about your role at the RTA and what you're responsible for? Certainly. Uh, So my role as Manager of Customer Experience, uh, Contact Centre, which is our call centre, Mm -hmm. uh, who uh, handle inquiries from public. So that's Mm -hmm. from tenants, owners, uh, agents, friends of any of those, uh, anyone and everyone, we try and be as helpful as possible. Yep. Uh, And I also manage the dispute resolution team Mm -hmm. uh, for when things can't be resolved uh, between parties. Mm -hmm. We're there as a a free service to try and help everyone reach an agreement or uh, give them the next steps to, uh, to move forward. Excellent. So um, no doubt you get a lot of calls about first-time renters. Um, so when it comes to uh, first-time renters, where should we start um, when we're interested in renting a property in Queensland? Yeah, look, it's, it's a really important point. Um, first-time renters, obviously, you know, by definition, don't really know what they're, what they're looking for. Mm, yeah. uh, so um, I guess that's, that's the starting point, is really working out what, uh, what the requirements are. Mm-hmm. So Obviously, you know, everyone thinks about, well, where do I want to live? But uh, it can be easy, I think, to rush into a rental property yeah, uh, and just you, know, you go in, have a look. Oh, wow, this looks great. It's first place. Maybe you're moving out of home, mm-hmm. um, those sorts of things. But um, due diligence at the start yeah. um, really can uh, assist further through the tenancy. So making sure that the property is right for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so location is one thing, but also... Yeah, the, the standard things, number of bedrooms, yeah. um, whether you're going to be living with housemates, uh, whether you're happy to rent from a, a professional agent or perhaps renting privately mm-hmm. uh, directly from the landlord, um, probably talking to uh, family and friends who've rented. Yep. But then you're also looking at the practicalities as well. Mm. Uh, so something that we might see is... Um, the condition of the property, yep. for instance, are there fly screens uh, that are in good repair and not assuming. Yep. Uh, so you might sort of walk through the place and go, oh, there's uh, there's some phone points, mm. some phone sockets in the in the property, but um, clarifying with the, the person that you're uh, looking to rent from yep. as to whether there's a, an active phone line, for instance, if it's required for maybe for broadband if you're working from home or just generally needing internet, mm. making sure that those things are available. There's nothing worse when you find that plug in the wall and it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly right. And those are the sorts of calls that we get and then we we will try and step people through how they can try and negotiate and resolve it, mm-hmm. but far better off to uh, to look at that first up. Yep. 
Um, so is there anything else that, you know, first-time renters should be, you know, looking out for when they pick that property? Uh, look, one of, the, one of the things to really look out for as well is making sure you can afford the property. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, yeah, the a- agents and, uh, and landlords will endeavour to uh, ask questions and make sure that they can you know, establish that you can afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got to be sensible. So there's yeah. no, no point to just um, having a, a wonderful property that looks amazing and impresses mm-hmm. all, your fr- all your friends and family if you can't afford it and you then end up uh, in a degree of hardship. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes we get we, we see a property and we just fall in love with it. So those are some of the things we need to be mindful of. So when it comes to making deposits on a property, what kind of deposits can a tenant be expected to pay when they're choosing that rental property? Sure. Uh, there's, um, I guess, some standard uh, deposits that we would commonly see. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bond uh, is, uh, is very common. Uh, there are rules around that. I won't get into the... Uh, specifics too much, but yep. obviously there's a lot of good information on our website. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, in a uh, in a uh, general tenancy, we're looking at four weeks worth of uh, rent, so four times the the weekly rent as a bond. Uh, you'll also then find that uh, quite commonly the agent or owner will want uh, up to two weeks of uh, of rent paid as well before yep. you can move into the property. So in it can rent. be yep. can be quite a uh, a large sum of money. To yeah. actually put up at the start of the the tenancy, and that can catch some people off uh, off guard. Yeah. Uh, so uh, with bonds, mm. if we go into that, yep. um, so we pick a property, we fill in all the paperwork, we get all the money together, yep. and we pay a bond, say to an agent or a landlord. Yep. Um, what happens then? So the the bond has to be lodged with the RTA mm-hmm. uh, with a with general tenancy. Now that can be done by the agent or the landlord, it can mm-hmm. actually be done by the tenant directly to the RTA. Um, so the RTA now has a, a process uh, to make this quicker and easier. Um, you can lodge a single bond online via the RTA's uh, web services. Mm-hmm. So that's through our website. Um, and you can do that uh, on your home computer, on your work computer, even on your uh, mobile phone. That's such a great service too. It's so quick and easy to use. Yeah. And look, it's, uh, it's, um, proving obviously really popular. Yeah. Um, part of part of the attraction for that, as well as uh, the, I guess reassurance that you mm. know where the money has gone, is that uh, we work really hard. So our our system is uh, is set up to notify everyone mm. of the payment. So yep. it gives everyone peace of mind that the the money has been paid, and particularly for an owner or an agent, um, they're reluctant to. Uh, obviously, hand over a property until they're confident that that money has been uh, has been paid. So, it's really important for us to make sure that all parties are kept informed on that. Yeah, and that's so good because sometimes when you you know you pay the money to an agent, you've got no idea what's going on after that. So this is really transparent. It's excellent. Yeah. Um. So, um, what are the forms of paperwork are needed to start the tenancy? Sure. Uh, so the the forms of paperwork that we'd uh, commonly be looking at uh, is the the lease, mm-hmm. the general tenancy agreement. Um, it should be outlining essentially all of the all of the key information. So where you pay rent to, um, how you pay rent, mm-hmm. what you know, what day you pay rent, and then also any uh, special terms um, that uh, are included in the. Uh, in the agreement, and it's a it's a form of formal communication of mm-hmm. what the agreement is for both parties. So that's really important that that's uh, read, understood, uh, communicated, 
and anything that's different, uh, so like a like a special term potentially to do with gardens, for instance, mm-hmm. yep. uh, that that's brought to the tenant's attention mm-hmm. and that everyone's clear on that before it's signed and uh, and formally agreed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other things you're looking at is uh, the information booklet. So that's uh, required to be provided. Okay. Um, and that has uh, a lot of really good information uh, on rights and responsibilities of all parties mm-hmm. in a tenancy. Um, and you can also find that information on our website. Yeah. Um and uh, so, signing the agreement, mm. um, what um, what do first-time tenants need to be aware of before they sign the dotted line on that agreement? Well, I guess you're really looking at the uh, the agreement that there's no surprises. Mm. Uh, so, something that, uh, that uh, does tend to come up is when you've got, and I mentioned uh, payment of rent previously, you want to be really clear with rent. So, sometimes you'll get a, an agreement that, doesn't have that spelt out clearly. Yep. It just leads to uh, miscommunication, people paying rent on different days, for instance. So yeah. you want to make sure that both parties are clear when the rent is going to be paid. Mm-hmm. Um, from an agent's perspective, something that comes up uh, from time to time as well is uh, agent obviously wants to see the money in the account. Yeah. Under the legislation, the rent is considered paid if it's being paid electronically. Yep when that payment is made, not mm-hmm. when the money is received by the agent. Gotcha. And something that we'd look at with that, and it's probably a, um, a topic for another day, Yeah. Uh, but when you've got public holidays, for instance, it's not within the tenant's control. Yeah. Tenant pays it. If they're paying it on the day that it's supposed to be paid, it's considered paid. Gotcha. So that's something that, uh, that can come up in uh, a lease. If it's mm-hmm. not clear the day it should be paid, then make sure it is clear. Yeah. So when, when we're looking at those agreements, um, a tenant can actually question the terms of the agreement as well, can't they? They yeah. don't just have to accept what those terms are. No, absolutely. And uh, I guess if, if I'm looking at it, and I, I rent myself and yep. I've been a first-time renter, so I'm thinking back a, a fairly long time ago now yeah. uh, without disclosing too much about my <laughs> age. Um, when, when you're looking at it, it can feel... Uh, imbalanced. It can feel mm. like uh, you just have to agree to things. Yeah. Um, what you what you need to remember, and what I preach to everyone, is to treat it as a, a business arrangement mm. all the way through. The uh, same as if you were in business, if you were you know, in business with the other party. Yeah. You'd be clear with your communication. Uh, when you just agree to things that you're not really sure about, you're setting yourself up for for trouble. Mm. Um, one of the other things that you would need. Uh, so we talk about forms and paperwork mm. at the start of the tenancy. So the entry condition report yes. is uh, is a really crucial piece of information. I love those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I go to love. Mm. Uh, but uh, what what's really important with the with the entry condition report is that it's filled out accurately. Yeah. Uh, we tend to jump to or the tenant needs to fill out their side, but from time to time we will hear stories, for instance, where an agent or an owner is maybe not sure on how to use the entry condition report. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have heard stories where tenants have been uh, required or requested to sign a blank entry condition <gasps> no report. No way. Yeah. Uh, so it's not how it's supposed to be. The, uh, the agent or the owner is supposed to provide the entry condition report with the, their version of how yeah. they see the property and it can be subjective but mm. they should be diligent and uh, including as much detail as they possibly can. Mm. It's then given to the tenant to take away to the rental property, uh, 
and again, this is probably another whole topic, but <laughs> um, that they then take that to the property, yep. ideally before they've started moving everything in, mm-hmm. uh, and they fill out their side of what they feel is uh, is potentially wrong with the property, things that were missed by the agent, mm-hmm. and then give the copy back to uh, the agent. Yeah. Um, signing a, a blank one essentially is agreeing that the property is completely immaculate and perfect <laughs> uh, and there's not there's not that many of them no. around um, and can lead to uh, real sort of difficulties at the end of the tenancy. Yeah. And I think historically I know for myself um, when, you know, those entrance um, agreements are done, um, that's that's where some of the biggest disagreements come in, I think, yeah. um, is because it is quite subjective and what I might think is damaged an agent might not. It is, yeah, absolutely. Mm. So we, we commonly will see that uh, a tenant will feel that uh, the, uh, the condition of the property mm. relates to fair wear and tear, the normal yeah. living in, in the property. The owner or the agent feels that that's damage. Mm. Ultimately, the only one who can make that determination is an adjudicator in the tribunal. Right. But it's it's a really important document yeah. to demonstrate the condition of the property at the start and then be able to compare it to the exit condition report at the end of the tenancy. Yeah. Uh, one of the things with that that I would also recommend is when the tenant fills out their side of the entry condition report mm-hmm. is to take a copy of it yes. at that point. Mm. Uh, and this can be made easier if you're able to email it through to the agent. You've mm-hmm. then got a record of ha- – or the owner um, – then got a record of having sent it and and what it looked like yep. because we do find that uh, like a lot of paperwork things go missing mm-hmm. um, not uh, not necessarily maliciously but you might get a change of property manager you might get a change of agency you might get a change of owner yeah uh, the entry condition report remains the the relevant piece of information mm-hmm. you don't have to do a new one if a new agent comes in for instance mm-hmm. it is your document and uh, and should be treated uh, as again like a business. Yeah. So that um, that condition report, that basically sits alongside their agreement uh, for the property. Yes. Um, and that that is forms part of their whole agreement for renting, right? That's correct, yes. Yep. So um, it's also good to know that property managers and owners um, should tell uh, a, pr- a prospective tenant about tenancy databases that they might use in the event um, that uh, they're required what are those tenancy databases and why are they important for us to understand uh, up front? Sure. So the, the tenancy databases um, relate to, I, I guess, the common common lingo is a blacklist. Yeah. Uh, so it's, um, there are requirements on who can be listed on the blacklist. It's a, a tenancy database, uh, essentially has a list of, of tenants who have done the wrong thing yeah like now these are serious things or they should be Mm -hmm. there are certainly rules and requirements which i'm not going to go into in in too much but i will say that uh, the tenancy databases are run by private organizations Mm -hmm. um they are not so they got uh, nothing to do with the the rta no we do get we do get calls on them we're happy to talk people through uh how they can find out whether they're listed and that is by contacting the the company and the the agents and the owners have requirements about notifying the tenants. You've mentioned uh, they have to notify them about what what tenancy databases they use. Mm-hmm. There's also requirements about what to do, what they have to do prior to listing someone. Okay. And they tend to revolve around uh, making sure that someone's got an opportunity to fix up a situation 
Mm-hmm. If it's if it's got out of hand, um, they owe potentially a, a substantial amount of money, those sorts of things, and to notify them that they're going to be listed. Mm-hmm. Um, lots more information on our website. Yeah, okay. Um, so uh, if someone ends up on, on a tenancy database, what can that, that do to their, their renting potential? Well, uh, it's, it becomes a challenge. Yeah. Um, particularly with agents. So... Uh, the the best thing to do is to try and resolve the situation. Again, there's more information on our website on uh, on how to contact uh, regarding that. If someone feels that they've been listed uh, unfairly, mm-hmm. then there's processes uh, to go through. Uh, often it will be uh, an application to tribunal for yep. a tribunal to make an order for that listing to be removed if it's uh, unjust, essentially if it shouldn't apply. Okay. So um, tenants also need to understand their rights and responsibilities up front under the Residential Tenancies and Rooming Accommodation Act 2008. What's the best way to find out what these are and how to stay informed? Yep. Uh, look, in short, <laughs> going to the RTA website would be uh, would be my starting point. Yep. Uh, there's also the information booklet, uh, information statement that has to be provided. It's a, a booklet with outlining everyone's rights and responsibilities uh, given at the start of the tenancy, as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, but uh, certainly the, uh, the website is the way to go. Yeah, I've heard it's a pretty good website. <laughs> um, this podcast might be useful too. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if a if a first time renter's got a pet, like a, a dog or a cat or yeah. even a bird that they uh, would, l- would like to keep at the property, what do they need to do? Okay, uh, so this was uh, something that is really important mm. for uh, for a first time renter. Yeah, and or for a renter of any any kind, but certainly when you asked earlier about first-time renters, Mm -hmm. if they've got pets, that's going to be a a requirement for the property. Um, If they're already in a tenancy and uh, the family wants a a dog or something like that, uh, important to be really upfront and clear with the uh, the agent. You need to get uh, permission from the owner. To, uh, to be able to keep a pet. Mm-hmm. Things that you're then looking at, let's say, for instance, you're, you're given permission uh, to have that pet. You want to, be, yeah, want to be clear with all parties as to what the requirements are. So, for instance, there's a dog. Uh, is the dog allowed to be inside the house or is it uh, just to be outside in the garden? Yep. Uh, other things that you're probably going to look at is um, commonly at the end of the tenancy, if you're moving out, the, uh, the owner and the agent will likely want uh, pest control yeah. done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that doesn't mean that you're, you know, they're insinuating that your pet absolutely has pests. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's not your dog's got fleas, yeah. uh, but it's about returning the, the property to the original condition as far as possible, fair wear and tear accepted. Yep. So do, do they also need to be mindful of like fencing and stuff like that? You know, I mean, obviously, you don't want your dog to get out. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, and look, that's um, it's about the, I guess, making those judgments. Uh, is the the dog that you'll want to get mm. suitable for that property? Yeah, uh, are you getting a, a bull mastiff when you're in a one bedroom studio apartment? <laughs> Possibly not going to go not too well. Not a good well. idea. No. no. Um, so obviously, if you're in a unit, um, there's going to be different rules that apply around that as well. Mm. Yeah, and uh, and. Uh, in units, uh, particularly townhouses, you can uh, find things like uh, body corporates. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may also have uh, requirements about pets. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not necessarily going to be within the uh, control or influence of the agent or even the owner. Yep. They have uh, they have their own rules to follow. Uh, in that event, um, 
it's essentially about contacting that organisation. Uh, yeah. So body corporate community management uh, can help about the, the rules and how you can negotiate those. Yeah. So talking about uh, living in units and body corporates, and those rules can change all the time. And when you're a first renter, it can be really hard to understand that. Um, what, are, what do they need to know when it comes to body corporates? Yeah. So uh, if they're in a body corporate, those rules uh, and uh, regulations and requirements should be provided as part of the tenancy agreement. Right. So that should be a, an upfront base. It's uh, similar to special terms. Yep. Uh, these are the, the rules. So it might be to do with use of a communal pool, for instance. Mm-hmm. It might be pets. Uh, it might be where people can park on the property. Yep. Those things should be looked at upfront to make sure that everyone's clear on their obligations and potentially uh, avoiding issues later in the, in the tenancy. Okay. Any of those kind of things, they would they would need to deal with the on-site manager or the body corporate themselves and be really clear on, on what those terms are and, and that, that everybody can um, have an enjoyable time in yeah, those that's, units. That's correct. Yeah. And it's, uh, the body corporate rules, uh, they're generally there to make sure that everyone can get along and have fair use of the, of yeah. the property. Uh, but things like parking, for instance, so is there sufficient... Uh, on-street or off-street parking, Mm. uh, visitors parking, those sorts of things uh, that you wouldn't necessarily think of before you move in, yeah. but once you once you move in and then you're having the uh, housewarming barbecue, that's yeah. when uh, that's when the situation comes around. Yeah, you soon test it, don't you? Indeed. <laughs> so um, earlier we were talking about um, things like uh, phone and internet in a property, mm-hmm. um, it, and it's really important to check that everything meets our needs there. Um, what what other things do we need to be mindful of? Um, you know, things like electricity, water, utilities. Um, what do tenants need to address with property owners and managers here? Yeah. Uh, so again, we're we're looking to clarify and those things that you've uh, you've rattled off there. Yeah. Uh, thank you for doing my job. That's perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, look, but it's it's clarifying and not assuming. So yeah. when when we're looking at, uh, for instance, property, is there a significant garden? Uh, is there going to be upkeep on that? Is that going to impact on water usage? Do I pay for water? Um, you're looking at uh, with the internet, is broadband uh, available? Is the NBN connected? Who's going to pay for connection if it needs to be done? Mm-hmm. Uh, best to be asking those things before you uh, sign the agreement, making sure that the property is going to be suitable for you and uh, and having that clear uh, there's nothing nothing worse in these situations than um, just signing uh, that you agree for water mm-hmm. for instance that the, the tenant's going to pay for full use of water there's conditions around yep. uh, what needs to be present in the property for that to happen mm-hmm. uh, but signing that and then uh, getting a bill uh, out of the out of the blue it's never a, never a good look no not at all so, we've got ourselves to the point where we're in the property, right? We're the first renter, we're in there. Congratulations. We're, we've finally got a home. <laughs> um, now, there's a whole bunch of documentation that, that goes with us as part of this renting journey. Yep. Um, and quite often we just throw it in a corner and forget about it until we have to move out. Yep. Um, what's something we need to remember with that documentation for the duration of our tenancy? Yeah. Uh, so, and, and I'll speak from experience, I'm very good at, uh, at taking paperwork and just throwing it in a corner somewhere. So <laughs> yeah. I think you've got a little insight into my life there. <laughs> um, I, I would be recommending, as I said earlier, treating it like a business. Uh, whether you've got a designated drawer 
or you know a, a shelf in uh, in your home office, but somewhere where you're keeping this information uh, to be able to refer to through the tenancy, mm-hmm. to be able to refer to at the end of the tenancy. Maybe you keep it as an electronic file mm-hmm. so that you're not then worried about uh, you know the spring cleaning coming through and then losing a copy of your entry condition report. Yep. I'd be always keeping copies of things uh, electronically, mm. um, so it's uh, it's then available on uh, a range of devices. You can call on it when you need to. Um, it just makes it that much clearer for everyone. Yeah, and I'd probably include in that any correspondence that you have mm. uh, from the agent or owner or or tenant throughout the uh, throughout the property. Yeah. And it's really handy, like when those little situations pop up, you can go back to your actual agreement and go, well, it says here that I can do this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, that that is a really um, important thing to remember to keep keep it secure and, and keep it electronic if we can. Um, and really it's up to each party to take care of their own documentation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can't expect <laughs> a, the, the property owner or manager to deal with that. No, and sometimes you've got a, a property manager who's who's managing multiple properties, uh, calling them up and uh, and demanding a copy of something that you should be looking after yourself. Yeah. Uh, it's not necessarily going to go too well. Mm. Well, we know all about uh, first renters now, Sam. Thank you so much uh, for your help today. Now, the best place for people to go to stay up to date with the RTA, particularly when they're a first renter, obviously is our website. Absolutely. rta.qld.gov.au. Thank you for listening to the Talking Tenancies podcast. For more information about the Residential Tenancies Authority, visit rta.qld.gov.au.